I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to Startup Nightmares. Startup Nightmares is a podcast that aims to inspire those who work in the startup world to do the best work they can, the best way possible, while dodging some bullets doing so. Let's just be a bit more human here. All of these people started needing stuff from me. Don't feel like you're on your own, because you're, you're never on your own. But I'm paying this person a good wage. Why isn't that enough? And that doesn't make me special. What is making me special is my deeper story. People need a sense of purpose to feel motivated in their job. Wake up at five in the morning and like go to the gym for an hour. Like, what the fuck is that? You're sitting at your desk crying and you're like, what happened? I had no idea how to monetize anything. I was like, ah, everybody gets a title. You get a title, you get a title. Either pay me or I will sue you. All of our guests have been to the dark side of the innovation ecosystem and came back to tell their tale. You can use this. This is how you get there. It is not a secret anymore. My name is Tal Shmueli, and I will be your host. Hey, Akil. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've stumbled upon you on LinkedIn. Can you guess why? No, go on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I won't, I won't, I won't. Do you want me to say the title? Yeah, yeah, like, there's a very captivating title that's attached to your name. Yes. I like making statements. I like poking bears. So um, my LinkedIn actually says, on a mission to kill HR and replace it with something more human. So, and it's a a phrase you'll find me saying a lot, actually, like, HR is dead, long live people. It's something I'm super, super passionate about. Um, so I just believe that humans are human beings are not resources and you're making a very powerful statement as a business if you choose to make that not just a job title but the title of an entire team. Your business is called Unleashed but before we mm-hmm. go deeper down the rabbit hole let's start with the basics. Yes. Who are you? What do you do and why do you do it? I am a people person through and through. Um, my first ever job title was actually, actually people person. I don't think there's ever been something that quite encapsulates so perfectly what, what I do. Um, I see people as a, um, a role, as a title, um, as a function that is there to enable and support people to do the best work of their life. So that's kind of what I try to do um, in my day to day. I work with startups and scale-ups on all things people and culture. So that means kind of creating great experiences for people um, who work in businesses, as most of us have to do. Um, And really, for me, that also means creating places where people can thrive um, and do things they love doing and do it in an environment which is supportive and respects them as as humans. This sounds to me Mm -hmm. like a pile of corporate cliches that any company can Uh easily slap on their website and on their job descriptions to attract talent god absolutely yeah you're you're very right i think um increasingly a lot of corporates and a lot of um businesses who don't actually want to put people at the center are now renaming their team their hr teams people operations or people experience or um all of the things under the sun but i think a deeper shift needs to happen so uh, a shift away from um i see kind of human resources as a very defensive very compliance heavy kind of we care about managing risk um, and managing people and making sure that they stay in their kind of 
tiny little boxes. Um, whereas I think the skills that you need to be a really good people person, um, whether internally or kind of doing a similar thing to what we do, um, are on coaching, they're around design thinking, they're borrowing kind of from customer success and kind of looking at that entire customer experience. Um, so I think uh, maybe I'm too much of a generalist, too much of a draft of all trades, but I love to kind of borrow, um, yeah, things from different functions but I think that's what we as people people need to do because we are the people who are meant to be our, our customers are the entire business right so we need to understand kind of what they do but we can learn so much from kind of what all of these different um functions are up to as well so um so yeah it's one thing to borrow the name and the language um although I think that's a good place to start um because like I said I think words are really really powerful I certainly um kind of believe that yeah it makes a very um yeah big statement about how you feel about people within your business if you call um yes the team that is meant to be looking after their interests and aligning it with that of the business and human resources so i think the language is a great place to start but there's so much more that needs to be done to kind of really um yeah ideally kill off the function that was hr and move it into something that actually has a tangible impact on businesses and um Yes. Before you started Unleashed. Yeah. And before you formed such a strong opinion about how things should be done. Mm -hmm. You are also, I imagine, an employee someplace, somewhere. Yes. So like I said, my first ever job title was actually people person. Um, so I've, I kind of went from studying law at Cambridge and thinking that I was going to go into a very, very structured kind of career path um, where actually like it was all kind of laid out in front of me and I knew um, kind of totally where I was going to being thrown into um, actually my first job was at a, um, a scale up company, um, a travel like tech business. Um, and uh I guess that in, in that business, um, when I first kind of came into it, I came into it as like the second uh, like people person in the um, London team. And um, in my opinion, like I think um, I felt as an employee, but also like as a member of that team, like they'd kind of invested in the people side of things a little bit too late because I could see kind of the very tangible effects of like not having some really basic kind of structures and like practices in place that just um meant that like a lot of unnecessary chaos was caused and I think like a lot of unnecessary uncertainty as well now you're talking like the consultant because uh, you see okay. it with a critical mindset yeah of someone who'd seen countless companies yeah. and can like really pinpoint the flaws yeah but when you experienced it you experienced it as an employee yes so how did it feel back then not now I think mm-hmm take your time it's a it requires some some digging yeah yeah no definitely definitely because I definitely look at it obviously wall the hero of our own story and I definitely am looking back on it now with a certain um frame of mind did you feel safe walking no there? No, as well, I was about to say, the word that came to mind actually was quite destabilizing. Yeah, I didn't really feel necessarily, although I was, I got so much autonomy to kind of explore like so many different kind of things in that role, but I didn't necessarily feel, I suppose, like cared for. Like I said, I, I came from kind of um, thinking that I, yeah, since I, I decided when I was 11 that I was going to be a lawyer because I was really kind of um, inspired by kind of the, the work that a lot of um, kind of, I guess, rebels maybe within the legal system um, had done to kind of change it and like really um, be at the forefront of some kind of like progressive um, change. And I got to university and actually found that like law wasn't just wasn't for me at all. Like there was a lot of bits that, of it that I loved. There was a lot of bits of it that I just absolutely detested. And so... I knew that I wanted to do something that was kind of more related to people, but like a lot of people who stumble into recruitment or kind of talent or people, um, HR roles, whatever. Um, I guess all I knew at that time was I want to do something that really has an impact on uh, people. And 
is about kind of, yeah, figuring out like what makes people tick and then just kind of helping them get there, right? So, but going kind of into that environment where there wasn't a like very well-established like people team, there was a really interesting kind of quite unique culture, but like didn't really necessarily feel like there was a lot of things put in place to kind of, yeah, like just support and kind of care for people kind of when you're, when it's your first job, when you're kind of walking in um, to a business for the first time, like there's obviously a huge amount of doubt, uncertainty, um, excitement, kind of all of these like mixed feelings um, that kind of go on within your head. And I, I guess, yeah, you want to know that people have thought about that experience and people can relate to like what it feels like. Um, and I guess it was it was interesting navigating an environment with like so little um, structure um, as kind of that first job, yeah. Thank you for, for taking the leap back in the time tunnel. <laughs> Um, yeah um after a few months um the kind of person who tied me into that role actually left and so yes it really did feel like any training wheels that there were had been taken off which was really exciting but at the same time kind of incredibly nerve-wracking because I just had no idea what I was doing and very quickly that role also kind of became a bit of a global one like and I just there was no um I reported directly into a founder, which when you, it's your first job and uh, yeah, and obviously kind of in this business had already scaled like quite substantially um, and he had no time and I had kind of nothing to do apart from like make it up and support people in the best way that I could. So it's interesting. So you, yeah. had, a, you had a leader for the business, yes. but you did not have a manager. Yes. So, so sometimes startups pride themselves in the autonomy and the independence mm-hmm. and the impact they yeah. they they give their employees. But I would I would argue that independence without a feeling of security is just as a liability. Definitely, and yeah. and and that the other way around, like you know, making people feel safe at work doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean micromanagement. No, not at all. No, like we all have a human um, kind of desire or need, I think, for autonomy. But at the same level, we also have a human need for certainty. And those things are kind of Im- important in different measures to different people. But yeah, there needs to be kind of a bit of a balance, I think. And certainly for you to feel like you are kind of have any degree of like psychological safety or you just have any measure of like reassurance that you're having you're doing a good job and you're you're actually doing work that is of meaning and value and someone is getting the impact of the work you're doing I think you need kind of that support um which is kind of why I like to like I mentioned earlier that I view kind of the job of a people person to enable and support people and I very much view those things in equal measure because I think you need you need both I want to be Super specific. And mm-hmm. let's see if we can pinpoint that point in time. Yeah. You just joined the company. A few weeks later, your your manager leaves. Was there an email or any form of communication saying, guys, meet Hannah Kiel, now you're director of HR or something like that? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. No. <laughs> no. So it wasn't formally declared? No. How did you embrace your role and how did you like onboard yourself into mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was a few. I had a few months kind of with, um, with kind of a very like supportive kind of uh, manager. But then after that, like I guess just talking to people, like quite honestly, um, I had a couple of colleagues like in different offices that I could rely on. But like more than anything else, I just wanted to like if I was going to be the person that in any way could like help and support kind of and um, like get people to the place where they wanted to be then I just yeah needed to get out and talk to them and I think like ultimately that is yeah good conversations are at the root of so much of um like people as a job but yeah so so the, the conversations yes what type of things were people coming to you with so like a very full spectrum of things and um one of the first things that I noticed and this was exactly the same actually when I went into my first head of people role was just like the level of stress and anxiety and um kind of like burnout within the team and obviously that was something that I felt quite overwhelmed and unable to like deal with initially because it's quite hard like having those conversations when that is the first 
kind of thing in your career. But then there was also conversations like about just a lot of kind of problems that I guess like shouldn't necessarily have been problems, but that I didn't necessarily feel like equipped to deal with. So for example, like people finding out like, and it's very, it's such a simple problem now I know with hindsight to fix, but at the time it felt like really insurmountable, but like people finding out that they weren't getting paid like the same as kind of other people that were doing the um, the same job and uh, people kind of wanting to hire for their teams, but like not really knowing like what that role should look like because they never hired for it before. And just, yes, lots of uncertainty, like lots of kind of questioning, um, lots of like, where am I going? Like, what am I doing here? Like, is this the path that I'm meant to be on like in my career and again like as that being your first job like there was a lot of feeling like I just don't really know how to deal with these questions so I'm gonna ask more questions performance management yeah talent strategy yeah compensation policies yeah I imagine some uh, inter-company conflict definitely yeah yeah and also a sense of like who are we as a business like what we stand for I think like um the the proactive stuff yeah yeah the kind of the culture the like internal communication like that was a global business and there was quite a lot of just like I don't really know what this person like over here is doing and yet like we're all meant to be pulling in the same direction I want to be fair Um, to that employer um Mm. I want to be fair to them and and say that these problems are unavoidable, right? Every yes, company totally. goes through them. So, so what do you, how do you, where do you hire the first people's person? You said that they mm-hmm. were a little late in investing in people. Yeah. And that sounds to me like something had broken and they needed fixing. Mm-hmm. So when should companies start thinking about the, the formerly known as HR functions? Yes. I think as soon as they can afford to, quite honestly, I think. um... (sighs) Ford goes back to priorities. Yeah. So one company would say, well, a HR person is half a product person, Mm -hmm. so I uh, can't afford it right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. It's hard to put an exact kind of like at this number of people, like you should should consider hiring a people person um, because it is different for every business. I think it depends kind of like how deliberate you want to be and how much you do want to prioritise being um, very clear about the kind of culture you want to build. It depends kind of how fast you intend to grow because I think a lot of the value that a people person can um, add like when they um, kind of are hired like in a business really really early is kind of figuring out how to get ahead of all of the problems that come with scaling right and it's the reason why Unleashed exists as a business like because we want to get in there and make sure the problems don't emerge and kind of add the strategic value before you get to the point where you're actually just fixing what is broken I guess that's what I mean by like as soon as you can afford it it's about the type of company that you want to build at the end of the day and I know businesses that have hired a people person when they're six people they would say quite honestly was probably like one of the best things that they've ever done so I don't think there's any there's ever a time that's too early to think about it if you want to build culture in a really deliberate way and kind of get ahead of the problems of scaling because And the reason why I would say that is like communication and like interpersonal relationships in a business like are really, really important. Like when you um, kind of are first starting a company, when you're hiring the first people, like those people are going to have a hugely disproportionate impact on the type of culture that you have and kind of ultimately the success of your business as a whole. So when you um, are three people in a room, four people in a room, actually like you know what everyone else is working on. Like you communicate naturally, like it's a human kind of um, instinct to do so and to be sharing and to be bouncing ideas off. Communication is something that happens. Yes, yeah. And it can, it can happen because you're right next to the person. But when you even get to 10 people in a room, like if you think about the amount of conversations you can have between like two of you or four of you, like every time you add another person, the amount of conversations that can happen and the amount of confusion that can be created kind of magnifies. So like every person you add, like adds at that stage, like something kind of fundamental and different kind of to um, the culture, but every person also adds kind of those additional like complications. So I think, yeah, um, part of the value of having that people person early is thinking about the problems that come with that. Generalize a tad bit now. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm way off, tell me. But yeah, why do you think 
founders, especially in tech companies, discount the people functions and keep postponing them? I think it is slowly changing, actually, I would, I would say. And, but certainly traditionally, they've kind of, it's been a hire that they've put off, like, right? So I think, um, yeah, it's not necessarily seen as kind of at the, at the centre of like your, yeah, first um, kind of iteration of your hiring plan or like whatever. And I think that is because maybe a founder's mindset is, I want to fix the problem that is in front of me, right? Like that's ultimately like why people start businesses because they see a problem often like stereotypically and they want to fix it. If problems haven't necessarily emerged yet, where the problems to fix, right? Um, and so I think like investing in kind of the people side of things that early requires like a bit of uh, foresight and a bit of acknowledgement that actually like these challenges are going to come along um, and it's much better to get ahead of them than be behind them. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons. Um, also, I think traditionally, like when startup founders um, sometimes think about investing in like any kind of like people or talent function, they think talent first because they're like, right, the people that have to hire the people, like that makes sense. Um, but then there's this whole like other experience that has to happen. Like I think often there's this strange like alchem- alchemy type thinking with founders is that um that you hire the best people and get out of the way and let them do the work but actually you have a responsibility if you're bringing someone on board in your business to set them up for success and actually like create an environment where they can functionally succeed so let me um, one up there yeah. just, just a tad because mm. you're saying the mentality is to bring amazing talent and let yeah. them do their thing yeah and this is where the theory or this theory crumbles is when it comes to culture because mm. hiring a people's person also sometimes mean delegating the culture aspect. Yes. Culture in a startup is most, more often than not the founder's identity mm-hmm. and their yeah, behaviors totally. and their values. And delegating that mm-hmm. is, is delegating a part of their personality. So I think in a way that's very hard to give up on very early on, or at least yeah. it is perceived to be giving up on. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think it is... Yeah, I totally understand what you mean, but I um, I don't think culture should ever be delegated. But what does need to happen, like when more people are added to the business, is it needs to be crystallized because otherwise it just becomes a, a series of like behaviors that can, that just, like a culture is like essentially like the flu, right? Like it just infects people. Like, and if you don't crystallize and take time and care to think about like what you want that to be, then you just end up with like a load of replications of, Kind of yes. Um, it takes intent. Yeah. It takes it takes it takes deliverance. And yeah, your intent has to match your behavior. And one of yeah. the guests on the show uh, uh, said that uh, that uh, how did he phrase it? Hold on, I'll find the quote because I've written it down. He said it off camera, but I found it really important. Mm. So he said, "Every organization has culture. It can either be an advantage or a disadvantage." Yeah. So putting intent behind it and prioritizing will help make that culture an advantage. Yes. And by the way, the guest who said that is Paul Dutnell from uh, Work Life, Head of Operations. Mm-hmm. It's, such a, it's such a mindful company and, yeah. and so aware of the culture that this is, you know, it's his quote. Yeah. I want to um, also stress out the importance of the people's functions. Mm-hmm. You are uh, still not fully qualified to do the, the work you were doing back in that first role. Yes. Uh, you are in the position, Absolutely but not. you still have to learn so many things. If you made a mistake. Yeah. What are some of the negative outcomes uh, uh, that that could have happened, you know, by putting a, a, a an unqualified person in that function or not mm-hmm. having it at all? Hmm. Is the company at greater risk of being sued for a misfire? Perhaps. Um, I think. Well, yeah, it depends on your view of kind of employment lawyers whether you view this as a good thing or a bad thing. But like, increasingly, it's becoming more challenging and there are more barriers put in front of people who do want to take action against employers that don't treat them very nicely. So I think actually like the risk of quite a lot, unless it really is quite toxic behavior is pretty, is pretty low. I think it's more just that like you risk wasting so much like time. I think startups often talk a lot about um, like fast pace, like let's get stuff done like but actually what you want isn't necessarily pace what you want is like velocity right you want a feeling and that like 
it's how people talk about like startup energy especially at that early stages as kind of that just sparkiness that like coming up with ideas and running with them and kind of like having the freedom to make mistakes and just kind of learn from them and like moving really like fast that only works if like people understand like what they're working on and how what they're working and relates to ultimately like where that business wants to get to so I think the risk if you don't kind of invest in like um any kind of people support early on is that you you sacrifice kind of a way of communicating like that mission to people in a way that like is also relevant to their needs and also encompasses kind of their needs their motivations their what they kind of want to do with their life um and i think that's kind of a real mistrick basically because you're never going to get the best out of people if you if a they don't see the impact of their work and b they don't see like how they fit in and um like how their needs and wants kind of fit into that so i think yeah you miss out on speed like um on duplication of work um and yeah ultimately like also i think maybe you also like in a very real sense kind of miss out on like the opportunity to work with like amazing people that would have taken your business kind of really really far because I think another classic kind of early stage kind of pitfall almost is like you hire your friends right you hire like people that you know like most intimately and obviously you do that for a reason because you trust them and um you can get them excited about this journey but also like very often you kind of then fall into a cultural trap of kind of hiring all of the same people. And and so I think having someone in the business who is being mindful about kind of bringing together the right mix of people, all of that is really, really important. Um, and just also like startups are hard work, right? They're, they're, um, and I don't necessarily mean that in this traditional like startup hustle sense, because thankfully that a lot of that kind of narrative, I think is um, kind of starting to die down a little bit now. But what I mean by that is like, it's a lot of like we were talking about uh, before with that autonomy like comes a lot of pressure right you ultimately like together you're responsible for making this business succeed and so if you don't have anyone that's looking out for the emotional needs and the mental health of the people in your organization then ultimately that is also going to have a huge impact and slow you down so you did like a you, you've created a checklist of the the responsibilities that fall under traditional HR departments. Let's list them in categories. So we had we had a we had hiring, right? We had mm-hmm. unfortunately firing. Yeah. What else did we have? We had well being. Yeah. What else comes under the remit of HR? So kind of creating an environment where people can succeed. So performance enablement, performance management. I like to call it enablement because that's what it should be about, not kind of micromanaging someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the things that people don't usually associate with traditional HR departments that are part of the job description? So coaching, like, is a huge part. So, like, you uh, might hear about, like, business partnering. Um, but in the past, I think traditional HR has done that in quite a functional reactive way so like let's have a chat to some managers every so often and check that no one in their team is kind of like at risk of leaving and let's try and reactively do something um about it but i think coaching is like actually it's nuanced but it's it's a very different skill set it's like it should be about enabling and kind of like getting people to unlock the answers for themselves like not just kind of giving them a prescription based on a policy that's somewhere like that no one has read like being covered in dust so i think and it's about kind of bringing being able to like bring out the best in people how do you do that as an hr because people meet hr when they get hired and Mm -hmm. when they leave work and sometimes when they have to fill in an annual survey But there's more points to meet HR if it's done right. Yeah. I personally believe that, like, that a good people team is responsible for, like, every or should have touch points on, like, every single piece of that employee experience, um, if you want to call it that. So by that, I mean kind of, like, yes it should be someone who is guiding you through kind of your onboarding and like making sure that that like candidate experience you have before you join the business um, is as good as it can be. But then um, kind of it goes beyond that. Like it, it's it's about kind of, yeah, having 
the structures in place to make sure that people kind of feel supported with their progression and their development and kind of they actually feel like the organization kind of cares and and wants to deliberately invest in those things it's about kind of making sure that even like a really simple thing like benefits like so few businesses actually don't just kind of look at what is competitive like you should be looking at kind of what the people within your business actually need um, and what they what they want like I see like a lot of really kind of quite interesting like novel kind of uh benefits kind of coming out like paternity leave um which obviously makes so much sense if like your startup is kind of like a uh like pet food business because it's like that's what those people care about but you need to do the work to kind of understand what that is and I guess that's what I meant when I was talking about design thinking earlier it's kind of doing the work to actually understand kind of what the people in the business need and care about and want so I think that like the people team should be kind of engaging with um people like throughout their entire experience it shouldn't be like the office in the corner that you go to when you have like an an issue so every internal role that I've had I have just set up like essentially just office hours um actually out of the office in a coffee shop where people feel a lot more relaxed generally speaking and the only kind of thing that I the only thing that I've put in the calendar is like come and have a chat like and talk to me about anything you want and I found that that is obviously you kind of have to build the trust and let people know what you're there for in the first place but actually like the power of just knowing that there is someone in this business that you can come and talk to like whenever you're really not sure like whether you can talk to your manager about something or like um just having that door open I think like is um yeah a really powerful kind of statement to send to the business about like actually we're at the center like we're not yeah somewhere you go to when you're in trouble so I want to I wanna test a HR use case here with you. Yeah. Someone very close to me, very dear to me, uh, working for a startup, fast going, really mm-hmm. successful, uh, had a clash with a manager who's not even their team. Yeah. Uh, they said something on a Slack channel and that manager says, uh, said something about uh, a nasty comment about how much uh, time off they take and uh, the traveling mm-hmm. holidays and stuff like that. Nasty in public. And when I commented and I said, listen, it's a uh, this person the manager is, is it's not his territory he shouldn't be commenting about it mm. and if he is he shouldn't be doing it on a slack that's uh, visible to other people i think you should take this to hr mm-hmm. or at least to your manager no my manager won't do anything about it uh, the friends i'm like okay so take it to hr hr won't do anything about it because mm. uh, i'm afraid they'll tell that person the the yeah. the, the, the the person who 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 helped and she was afraid of approaching HR mm. with something like that. Yeah. Is that something you see often? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's something that uh, actually like I um, like have to work really hard to proactively address whenever I'm um, kind of coming into a business, like because trust and credibility if you're in a people role is everything. I work quite hard, I think, to address some of these stereotypes like head on. Um, and a lot of them actually, like, I think are fully deserved stereotypes. Like if you look at kind of big people-based scandals that we've had recently, like a lot of the time, like Uber kind of and sexism scandals and, and kind of things like that. Actually, like the HR department's often a complicit like in those things or kind of um, will run around kind of cleaning up the business. It's kind of bad behavior. So I actually... I would be the first to mistrust HR. So I think it's really, really important that people understand kind of um, in practice, like what does it mean to be a people team versus a HR team? And like, I work really, really hard to kind of, yeah, build that trust and credibility from the get-go um, and create that kind of safe space. If you have a, in the workplace, an HR team that's closer to the negative example we just portrayed, mm-hmm. What advice would you give people who feel like they're at an impasse, they're, they don't have anyone to talk to that can mm-hmm. help them at work? How do you reach out for, for help in those yeah. you know, tricky, delicate situations when you can't get that in-house? Mm. Yeah, so uh, the flippant part of me uh, wants to say just leave, but obviously I know that's not practical advice for um, necessarily everyone. Like we all um, have to work generally speaking for economic necessity so I guess I would say that like actually you um as an individual um also 
kind of can have an impact on the culture right your behavior can also be infectious to people like you can also kind of contaminate people with your with kind of your behavior because that's who we are as human beings we mirror the people that are around us so in that situation and I've kind of many friends have have kind of come to me with the exact same dilemma actually I would always say try and find someone in the organization who you trust who you can just speak to kind of as a human being and try and find kind of who are the advocates like within the business that like also maybe share some of the same frustrations and want to see kind of something different like if that person kind of is in a management position for example like what can you do within your team to kind of create that environment because um once I kind of uh in another startup that I worked in once I started doing kind of those office hours like every week where I just take people off site actually a few leaders in the business started doing that as well and so it wasn't it's not it doesn't it becomes not a people team thing it becomes something that people do because they care about and want to listen to kind of the people within the business so how can you kind of cultivate that how can you kind of be a bit of a an agent like for change and like ultimately sometimes someone has to put their head above the parapet and say like this behavior is not okay and actually yeah in a lot of those situations and I recognize that it is always so much easier said than done um yeah there is if you're thinking it i.e that this behavior is toxic this shouldn't be acceptable kind of in this business I guarantee there are more people kind of out there also sharing that same frustration. So- you said something tremendously important. Um, the instinctive advice was mm. just leave. But it's not because you're taking it lightheadedly. Mm. It's because you understand the limitations of changing other people and how hard it is to could, could be to to be to swim upstream and to drive change in, in what feels like a hostile environment and to push back against your 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 higher ups. But for employers, this would be really big red flag because the employees who have suffered something like that Mm. would just leave. And when they're sitting down for an exit interview, if they even even have one, Mm. they won't tell you it's because that manager said something that I found uh, uh, unpleasant or hurtful and didn't have anyone to speak to. They'll mm. say something else. It's a different opportunity. Yeah. It's been my time to go. I'm more looking money. for a different challenge, more money. Yeah. So going back to, I don't know, 30 minutes ago in the conversation when we said companies invest in, 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 in the HR functions a little too late, mm. um, it's, it's, you've already lost a few people. Yeah. You've already scarred a few of the people you've worked with. Yeah. Uh, by the time someone is vocal enough, like the problem is big enough mm-hmm. now that it's visible and not only visible, it's, Inignorable. Yeah. So so the just leave would be the instinct of anyone that knows what's good for them. And we mentioned, I think off the camera, we started speaking a little bit about millennials. Mm-hmm. I don't want to go into the millennial conversation. I think it's becoming a, a, a increasingly irrelevant. Yeah. But the just leave is upside down of the just do it. Yes. It's like, I know my self-worth. I deserve to feel good at work. Mm -hmm. And if I don't get that here, I'll find a different place uh, uh, to get it in. And I think that's that's huge. Now, we've started with a list of things that HR is generally in charge of. Hiring, firing, well-being, performance, uh, enablement. And now that list had gone. Coaching, working with the managers, employee experience, uh, um, the benefits, career progression. Helping uh, companies and founders stay true to their cause and true, mm-hmm. true to their values, conflict resolution in cases, yeah. and and this is this is a lot. Yeah, this is a lot for any organization. So I think now will be a good time to talk about uh, what Unleashed brings to the world and and the startup nightmares that maybe Unleashed helps companies mm-hmm. avoid, dodge, minimize, deal with. Yeah. It's your realm, so what would be a good way to start unpacking this? I think some of it we've actually already dived into, right, when we were talking about how um, once kind of issues emerge within businesses, if they invest in people teams too late, um, it becomes very, very tough to kind of change um, what's going on and kind of repair some of the wounds almost um that can kind of emerge uh based on kind of how people have been been treated already so unleash exists to kind of um build foundations for scaling like through people and culture and what i mean by that is kind of we want to get in and set up some really basic very scalable kind of things so that people actually 
yeah, when they're entering into a business, they feel supported, they feel like um, they're being invested in. And so, yeah, we look at kind of stuff across the entire like people experience and try and create um, help founders create kind of businesses where people actually want to be a part of. How is a company different in mm-hmm. her post-unleashed experience yeah. to what it was before? I guess like we help founders with like three core things, which I think is like a good way to get to how uh, the company will be different. So like how the hell you like hire really great people who are right for your business when you don't really have a brand. And when, um, and when, so, and when money is not the only thing you can offer. Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, like how you then kind of have a team that is happy, productive and high performing, which is obviously what every founder in the world, I think, um, ideally wants. And then how you kind of go from being a doer, an executor, like the person who founded the business because they care about the thing or the problem to being a leader of people, which is quite a to the system um, I think for uh, for leaders so ideally that is kind of what we're trying to achieve kind of those uh, places where you have the right people in the right jobs at the right place and the right time um, and they kind of feel able to do their best work so helping them hire without being a recruiter yes okay yeah so communicating kind of what is the ding in the universe that you're trying to make right so I think we were also talking a bit earlier about how increasingly like people are attracted to businesses that align with like their purpose in life like their values kind of causes that resonate with them um and every kind of startup especially like is trying to do something that's a little bit different and something that's a little bit unique so it's about kind of finding the people commute getting the message out there to those people specifically um that this is a business that you should be aspiring to work at i guess yeah there's a there's a point in time where uh, management and leadership diverge mm-hmm. is that something you have a you have a, a say in a part in yes but i think interestingly enough like often in startups you kind of have to do both at the same time like you kind of have to wear like both of the hats so i think one of the traditional distinctions i've heard between like management and leadership is like managers are in charge of the head and like leaders are in charge of the heart right they should be the person at the like front of the organization kind of setting the vision setting the tone like um ultimately kind of yeah infecting <laughs> i keep using that word um it's the, corona, the culture, it's but the yes. coronavirus uh, in the news that, yeah that, that's maybe so. putting that word in here i'm sure that Two um, months from now, you'll be using yeah, a different theater. Yeah. So they're, they're, the, they're the, the people kind of inspiring and, and kind of motivating, whereas managers are kind of, um, I guess, seen as quite more functional and task orientated. But yeah, I think like we we have actually like a management leadership program that um, we deliberately have called a management leadership program because I think like they have some interesting high performing behaviors that are like, relevant to both of them but most importantly because you have to wear like quite a lot of those hats um, i remember at a yeah. past, uh, past uh, workplace they um i needed to to give a, a score to my manager mm-hmm. and, and they asked me about uh, whether or not uh, my manager is inspiring mm. and i found it so weird that they asked me that like we had a super prominent ceo very prominent uh, vps Super charismatic uh, uh, senior directors. What's inspiration got to do with selling ads <laughs> on the internet? I, 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 was, I, was like, I was really feeling sorry for them. This is another yeah. requirement that is imposed on them. Mm, yeah. It's interesting, like, the language people use, again, isn't it? Because I might interpret that in, like, the context of management. Like, is this person you, someone who you actually look up to and, like, want to learn from? Yeah. Like, right? So, um, but yes, it's, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know why. So let's do, let's do something. I've never done this before here. Mm. Um, we've listed a few things about, uh, about HR. I'm going to give you one category after another and tell me what is the biggest thing that you think startups Mm, are getting wrong about it. Yeah. Okay. If you need a second to think, no problem. Um, But what is the biggest misconception uh, startups and founders have about hiring? So I definitely say that like still hiring in your own image is like a huge thing for startups and founders. Um, So I hear a lot of like quite arbitrary requirements from founders about like, oh, um, I only want to hire people who have come from a top tier university or I only want to hear to hire like people who have worked at these three companies or yeah, the the list goes on. Right. Um, But um, I think you're cutting off 
so much of like an incredible talent pool just because of these arbitrary requirements that probably reflect are reflective of your own background or kind of something that you yeah. aspire to right so hiring in your um, own image is one yes is there any definitely. other uh, misconceptions about hiring yes actually i think um not taking account of culture enough is a really like big one so it's the classic like assholes like will you tolerate kind of a competent jerk um kind of thing but um i think yeah like often um kind of founders can sometimes uh be wowed by people's kind of experience on paper right like without thinking about does this actually translate to my culture like is this going to have kind of what where like where does this person come from and kind of how is that going to transplant itself the to here competent jerk yeah captures it really well yeah but also like i kind of like to say about this like performance does not translate like just because you are great in like one um job at like one maybe quite established company does not mean that is going to like instantly kind of just mean you're successful here yeah. right um and so i think like um beyond kind of just actually assessing for kind of values or like culture fit you actually also should take a bit of time uh to understand like what is the culture and what is the context that, like this person has come from and what are they bringing um with them like what assumptions are they making about kind of the, the new environment that they're going to find themselves in um and how can i help set them up for success if i if i hire them um by kind of helping them make that transition yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. next category firing mm. you know what i think like um maybe kind of a bit of a like myth around firing is that it is always got to be this kind of awful painful thing that is terrible for everyone involved no matter what like actually it's never going to be necessarily the best experience in the world but like actually if someone is if the chances are that if someone is like performing really badly is like not getting on with the team then they like are feeling that really hard as well and so actually just like having honest adult conversations about like this might not be working out um rather than kind of going down the route of making it some like i think it, this is the even for people people this is um kind of a area where quite a lot of them like will go back right to the kind of i'm going to sit down and read you a letter um now and like how much of a human experience is that like i think actually it can be a really positive thing when even when someone's not leaving the business um under the best circumstances necessarily like they're going to go off and kind of use that as a springboard for doing something else that they're probably a much better fit for i would say it's a misconception that firing people is necessarily this kind of awful, terrible. I think you just got thing. unleashed a bunch of customers uh, by, <laughs> by saying there is a better way to go about it. And, and let's see. Yes. Misconception around well-being. Throw bananas at it. Um, so I think there's a lot of uh, businesses that are addressing kind of well-being in quite a superficial way like and focusing on yes like the um yeah those kind of inconsequential or not inconsequential because it's nice to have bananas um but maybe kind of using kind of quite surface level stuff to um kind of take a box or address um what is actually kind of a very like complex set of needs so again like without understanding kind of what the people in your business actually care about or want care about is important it's really important yeah i don't know I, it's it's really important is it a dog sitter yeah is it a is it remote work or is it or is it like really food in the office so or... yeah okay so well-being yeah. I, I i wanted to ask what is well-being but i think well-being changes drastically between the yeah. organization so and also i think between the people right like um and i also like do quite a lot of work on i've just qualified as a mental health first aid um instructor and it's kind of something that i'm incredibly incredibly passionate about kind of creating an environment where people actually can thrive um but like being well or being kind of like mentally healthy like means so many different things to different people and without kind of understanding what it means to the people within your organization and um then yeah anything you do really is going to be surface level okay here's a tricky one hmm. uh, what are some myths about uh, about performance management uh, or enablement mm. um 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hmm. It's tricky because performance is uh, measured very differently between the different teams mm. and the different seniority. So I don't think those are, those are, those are one-size-fits-all answers. No. But would it be fair to say that a myth is that performance, uh, all aspects of performance are measurable? Is that a myth? Hmm. Yes, probably, because um, you can metricize a lot of things, but you can't necessarily metricize the impact of people's behavior, positive or negative, on kind of the people around them. So, yeah, I guess that, that might be um, kind of a myth. I think... Like startups really, really, in my experience, kind of detest any kind of um, like performance improvement planning is kind of a horrible term for it. But like any kind of when they see someone underperforming, not just kind of have do, doing the easy thing and kind of having um, them leave the business um, or the other easy thing, which is to ignore it and hope that it goes away, which I see an awful um, lot of. I think there is kind of this real like either one doing either one of those things will slow us down um but actually like that absorbs the business from a lot of responsibility and it absorbs like that person's manager from a lot of responsibility like i think the real conversation you should be having if someone in your team is not performing is like what are both of us doing wrong here like how have i not supported you and set you up for success like what can i do to kind of get you to the level that my expectations are at so i think that conversation like is so important from like a power balance that's profound yeah point of view like it's very an employee's performance issue is a manager's performance issue Mm, totally that is that is that is profound next category coaching i think there's a lot of actually misinformation about what coaching actually is what is Um, coaching coaching is asking the right questions to get someone from a to b basically um so it's not telling them what to do it's not neither is it kind of therapy it's not trying to analyze what they've done in the past to um (laughs) yeah give them some kind of insight um it's not mentoring which is kind of like sharing your experience with someone and kind of uh having the here's what i do in that situation it's just kind of asking the right questions to help someone kind of clarify their thinking lay out the options available to them on the table and kind of get there so i think um coaching is kind of a buzzword um at the moment and it's increasingly like there's a it's an industry that is kind of like rightly so exploding because it is can have a huge disproportionate impact on people's lives but i think the starting point needs to be understanding what it actually is excellent last category in our little game is myths about career progression Mm. oh so yes this is really quite a easy one because i see like the same common things like cropping up actually in a lot of businesses that we work with so firstly that it's linear um not kind of 
lateral. So I think traditionally um, a pitfall that I see a lot of startups making is is promoting into management positions like people who are just really, really good um, at what they do. Um, and a lot of times that ignores the fact that they actually like probably were really enjoying what they were doing. And um, now you've put them in this management position. They're just like trying to desperately to get back to doing what they were doing. Spoken they were like it. someone who actually experienced it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I think, um, yes, we've definitely got to let go of this fact that the only the only way you can progress is kind of vertically. And often that means straight into management. Um, actually, there's a million different routes to progression. And a lot of what people want is actually to just increase the mastery of their skills and deepen kind of their knowledge and feel like they are learning so we've got to like widen kind of this how do you how do you cope when when startups the always the volume of work is greater than the the, the resource and manpower you have to accomplish it mm-hmm. so there's a, the upside plenty of opportunities for yeah. both and the downside is sometimes people are being pushed into roles rather than pulled into roles mm-hmm. um do you think there's a give and take here like employees should be tolerant of actually doing work they don't want to do because it's for the greater good of the company is that something is that even top of mind for employees yeah, yeah. um so i think like obviously we all have to do some things from time to time that we don't particularly like enjoy or want to do um but i think uh it would be stupid of employers not to be cognizant of what they like what they're asking um of their people um in the name of the business basically because ultimately like if you are continuously working on something that frustrates you gives you anxiety and is uh not kind of aligned with anything to do with how you'd like to progress or what you'd like to learn about then that's going to affect your performance as well so a tiny part of this conversation mm-hmm. that can happen that i don't think it happens a lot and that's listen I'm going to ask you to do this role for a while now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may, yes. I know it may not feel like a promotion or, or I know that you didn't ask to be doing that, but mm. I need you to do that. Let's reassess where we are in three months yeah. or six months. Yeah. Uh, or tell me when it becomes unbearable so I'll know to, uh, to, to push for a change. Mm-hmm. What an honest, beautiful conversation. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do, do that for me. Um, I'm sorry I'm putting you in that position. Do that for me. Let me know when it's unbearable or how much time do you, how much energy you have in the tank to do that. Yeah. And we work towards the replacement, but I, I can't solve it right now. Yes. Yeah. And I think you mentioned something really great there, which is just like call it out, right? Like often I think um, another thing that I see happening a lot in startups is kind of you're good. I'll give the jobs to you because like you're great and I know you can handle it. And then there's more and there's more and there's more and there's more piled on. And people, especially who are quite early in their career, just are like, yes, I'll do all the things because I'm super excited to do all the things. And because, because, um, because and then, yeah, your identity is being built. Your identity yeah. is being built. Like, oh, Hannah, you're so amazing. Take this extra project mm. on. Oh my God, Hannah, you, you're remarkable. I don't know how you do what you do. Take this yeah. extra project on. And, and saying enough is enough is a nick in, in the identity. Yeah. Because, oh my God, he's going to take, he's going to take, or she's going to take that, that appreciation away. Yeah, yeah. And this is like, this is priority boarding to the uh, uh, burnout airplane. Yes, yeah. You can move fast and break things, but you shouldn't never, ever consciously or unconsciously move fast and break people. Um, because ultimately the people who started off as your biggest advocates and your hardest most kind of crucial people will then start to resent everything that you ask them to do. So let's go now that we've done this uh, express uh, express uh, uh, run through some of the challenging areas of HR. I want to go back to the personal aspect of it. Yes. You started Unleashed how long ago? So I joined Unleashed as uh, its founder's business partner about a year and a half ago. A year and a half yeah. ago. What was your last role or endeavor before so i was head of people at a prop tech startup called good lords coming into the work that alish is doing with as much passion as you i'm sure there's a story there's an origin <laughs> story that is waiting to be told yeah so weirdly enough like how i met um anuk my business partner is such a like serendipitous kind of like odd thing like so we actually spoke for the first time when like talking about a 
software platform like because I'd been asked to do one of those like weird referral calls where you're like oh I like this product like you're a customer of us like why don't you talk to other people who might like to buy our product um which uh yes so we we spoke for the first time then and obviously had a really nice chat but it was a call on our software platform um and then when she first started kind of going out on her own and doing um Unleash she tried to hire me for one of her clients and we met up to talk about kind of the role um and spend about five minutes talking about it and the rest just talking about what she was doing because I found it so so exciting and I was like this is so this is like the thing that I yeah like have felt the need for so hard um and then yeah so we spoke about the role I said I wasn't really interested in leaving good lord at that time um and then I remember (laughs) she uh, messaged me on LinkedIn about kind of it must have been at least six months um later and I remember taking the call like in a cupboard at Good Lord um which was actually just filled with like stationery and like had that awful like terrible cheap kind of like I'm definitely not soundproof um (laughs) like across the I knew instantly like she hadn't said in her message what she wanted to talk to me about but I kind of knew instantly that this is what it was um and yeah she was like I've decided that we I'm onto a good thing here because she originally started doing it as a bit of a bit of consulting on the side, like a bit of a lifestyle business. Um, And yes, she was like, it's time. I'm like, I'm committed to this. I want to grow it. Um, I think we can help so many businesses. Um, And yes, we met for breakfast. I asked her about 900 questions and the rest was just absolutely, absolute history. Um, Hannah, I'm happy for you and I'm happy for Anok and I'm happy for Unleashed. But I'm a little dissatisfied uh, for my own sake because I <laughs> thought I am going to get uh, some sort of a juicy trauma. <laughs> no, I did not get the juicy trauma. No, just a very, like, a, a nice buddy story. So, yeah. so, um, <laughs> uh, uh, so my question is, why did you have to give up in order to start becoming who you are now? Hmm. I'm quite an anxious person. And so going into that first role, like at One Fine Stay, the startup that I was originally at, was a real shock to the system because I actually thought certainty was like very, very important to me. And I feel like my career after that has just been a gentle process of just letting go and figuring out that actually we can try it. It might screw it up, but ultimately everything when you do it for the first time is an experiment like I've dealt with lots of imposter syndrome throughout my career because every single role that I've had I've felt like it's literally my perfect job but just about five to ten years before I should be allowed to have it right so um I think definitely definitely I had to let go of even more of that um and there was a big element right of um because we had had kind of only a few conversations but they were the kind of conversations where you just kind of click so hard with someone um but like that still kind of gave me that same like imposter syndrome feeling of like why me like you could pick any of the fantastic people person people people um and a lot of whom are way more experienced than I am like why so I guess like it was letting go of some of that and taking like a bit of a leap of faith and letting go of even more of that certainty and embracing kind of a bit of the serendipity and a bit of the like going with the flow um and certainly like again it's just been a process of letting go of um a lot of that baggage um a lot of the like certainty and just yeah letting yourself like see what happens um so i definitely feel that, that has been a process and it seems like <laughs> uh, what started off with a uh, first job that caused so much anxiety mm. um you're closing a circle now by by a helping companies alleviate some of it Yes. Uh, but be also facing it uh, facing it as an entrepreneur mm. and not as an employee and yes. it gives you a chance to fix all the things that uh, you saw that were broken and on behalf of everyone who's listening to the show I want to thank you for taking that brave step forward and ask you if there's anything else you'd want to share with us before we wrap up one of my favorite like quotes of all time and this is very cheesy and also goes back to like 11 year old me who wanted to be a lawyer um but it's from kind of to kill a mockingbird um 
got a also got a very cheesy tattoo of a mockingbird on my uh, on my thigh. Um, but the quote is kind of you never really know a person until you try and climb into their shoes and walk around in them. Um, and that's kind of like always really resonated with me. And it's that sense of kind of curiosity that I think has got me to this point in my career. Um, so if there's one thing that I guess I could encourage people or founders to do it's like to adopt that sense of deliberate naivety and to step into kind of asking more questions and um listening to kind of what what actually floats people's boats and what they're kind of experiencing on a on a day-to-day basis because I think it's just about the most powerful thing that you can do when you're founding a business and building a team so I'm done a cheesy quote why not (laughs) not cheesy at all super valuable for the people who are hearing it in the right time and with that i want to thank you so so much thank you yes okay found it elbows always how was it look at the elbows yeah it was good yeah Yeah. (laughs) hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.